Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study uh, through the Old Testament now, we, uh, you know, I always start this off by saying we did five years through the New Testament, chapter at a time, and then we started, oh, 31 weeks ago, uh, working through Genesis, and um, we've got about 50 weeks to do in Genesis, and then we'll keep on going from there. I've told you this Old Testament study is about 15 years, so... Um, there you go. But some of you are here when I started the New Testament. Here we are, kicking right through it. Good, good job. Um, I like reading through this this way with all of you. Uh, I, I enjoy reading the passage of Scripture into the church. I think that's important. And uh, context, I think, is so important to, to reading the Bible and understanding the Bible. And, and I, I was glad we did the New Testament first um, because now we see where so many things come from uh, as we read through the Old Testament and how we got there. Uh, if you'll remember, though, I've asked you to try and remember when we talk about Genesis, there's four main events, four main people, and one thing that we look at all the time. The four main events, you should all be able to list now at any point in time. Creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. Those are the four main events. You read about those, you know, in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and then beginning in Genesis chapter 12 and through 50. There's four main characters um, that we read about, and like I said, lots of other people involved, but four main guys, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And we've, we've already studied Abraham pretty good, and all that goes on. Isaac um, uh, is, is uh, still actually kicking, even though he thought he was going to die 20 years ago uh, in our study, and... Um, we're looking at Jacob's life now, and soon we'll begin to discuss Joseph. So that's what we're up to, and where we're at. Oh, and don't forget the one main thing is the crimson thread of redemption that I talk about. Started at the uh, Genesis 3.15, right after the fall, and you will watch that plan of redemption weave its way through the Old Testament, all the way through to the cross, and you'll see the enemy constantly attacking uh, that, that thread um, throughout the whole deal. And uh, it's pretty fascinating to watch. All right. So Jacob, at this point, we're going to look at Genesis 31 in just a moment. He's been away from home for about 20 years. If you're just here for the first time, you haven't been paying you know, up with us uh, on what we've been doing. Uh, and uh, Jacob had stolen his brother's birthright and the blessing by deception. Um, and the brother Esau was going to kill him, so Jacob had to leave town. Plus, um, his family, his parents wanted him to go get a wife from their um, from their clan anyway, and, and not to marry one of the local girls. So he had taken off. Uh, he's been gone 20 years um, in that process. You know, we've, we've been looking at uh, Laban, who has deceived Jacob routinely, but Jacob has worked hard. He's done well. He has two wives, 11 children. Yeah, 10 sons and a daughter at this point, I think. Yeah, he's got one more coming, but not yet. Uh, another son. Um, and the... Uh, it's time to go. And so he, he wants to leave. And we started looking at that last week. And um, he had like, a, even after 14 years and he wanted to leave. And he stays around for another six years. But during that time, his, his flocks increased. He's going to leave with great wealth. And uh, he's going to go, um, go back home. It's time to go back home. Isaac is still alive, as I said, at this point in time. And he wants to straighten things out with Esau if he can. So hopefully he's figured Esau is... Hopefully a little past it now, 20 years later. And, uh, and yet he's not sure, and he's going to kind of go back. It's fascinating when we read this. You're going to see how he, 
sort of prepares the way by sending all sorts of stuff in for his brother before he actually shows up. And, um, and as I said, Isaac's still alive at this point, even though 20 years before he was thinking time was running short, and that's when the whole blessing thing happened. He's been around for a long time. So um, God tells Jacob it's time to go. And I think it's interesting when you think about it, how does that work? You know, how does, how does God sort of interact with us today? Um, and uh, because, you know, we talk about, you know, how do we, you know, doing the will of God, living by doing the next right thing. But, you know, how does, how does God really communicate with us today? And, and just like he did then, um, I think most of us will experience some sort of inner witness in our heart. Something will happen and then... Um, There'll be some outward circumstances of life that will go with that. And then the truth of his word kind of cements it all together. Uh, and, and so six years before this period in time, God had put the desire in Jacob's heart to return to his own country. And, and that desire hadn't left. He was still doing it. It's, uh, uh, it was, uh, at that point, it was a longing. You know, not every longing that we have is, is God interacting with us, but but, you know, you, that's where you need to start learning to pray and discern about what is and what isn't and really listening for God in the process. And, um, and so, because uh, I think the Lord works with most of us today that way. Something deep inside, it's not audible voices, not a lot of things, but we'll, we'll have this in, internal impression in our hearts about something. And then, um, and then it often, often like I said, it, it, it sort of, the circumstances around us start moving in that direction. You know, like um, in these last six years that Jacob's had, uh, he starts noticing that his in-laws aren't treating him the same way as they used to. Uh, they used to be very friendly towards him, and all of a sudden things have changed, mostly because of his great wealth, and now they're starting to become jealous, but um, they're, they're, something's different, and so... He has this inner sense that it's time for him to go back and then circumstances are changing a little bit. Now, and again, don't always, you can't always rely. You, circumstances are not always, you know, oh, well, they, these things happen. It doesn't always mean something, but sometimes it, you, they can. And that's why we need to discern and pray that that's going on. Uh, and, um, you know, things sort of get stirred up sometimes when we need to make some movement. And, and it's not always God, but it can be. So I, I think, you know, Whenever I begin to sense some of those things in my own life, I just I make sure that I'm taking time to pray about it, and and then really seeking after what God wants and what He doesn't, and then, um, uh, and then you know we have we have the Word of God now too. So everything you know needs to ultimately be balanced by the Word of God and and what the Word says. Um, Back in, in this particular time, God is sort of speaking directly to these guys um, in pretty significant ways. He's, he's speaking, spoken to Jacob in a dream uh, before, and then he's actually, you know, he's heard him tell him, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I'll be with you in verse 3. And, and so God, God seems to speak to him um, in, in sort of critical moments and times um, on this journey. Um, but Jacob takes time and he prays about it. I want you to see that. And he also shares what he's thinking about with Rachel and Leah because he's going to ask them to leave their people and, and go with him to another land and another people a long way off. And, um, and so he's sort of running these ideas by, uh, you know, Rachel and Leah. And they both will agree that his, his, their father has not been fair to him or to them in this process. 
And so all this stuff's going on, and yet right at the end you're going to see, instead of really going and facing Laban honestly and just kind of dealing with him, telling him he's leaving, he sneaks out in the night. Have you ever... <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think that's funny because I, I think sometimes we do those same sort of things. You know what I mean? We, we have all this stuff going on, and then, at the, and then we just sort of... And that's what he'll do. And uh, um, it's one of those things. And I get it. No, no picking on him because um, he's been doing pretty good in his faith walk. Fear sometimes will get us to act in ways that we shouldn't. That's, I love that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I mean, uh, we don't have to be motivated by fear. And I think it's, it's one of the worst motivations you can have. It's, it's never, when, don't make decisions when you're fearful because it's a terrible time to make decisions. Um, but, um, but he did and he takes off and that's going to be another mess that he slips out in the night. and Laban's going to catch up to him. And he's got a three-day jump. Um, remember, he's separated his flocks. He's got a big jump, and he still gets, they catch up to him because he's moving all this stuff. Uh, and there's a little confrontation, but it works out. God's in it. All right, that's enough preamble. Genesis 31, beginning in verse 1. All the notes will, all the verses will not be on that page because the page wasn't long enough. So rather than go two pages or whatever, it stops there. If you've got your Bible, open it. It'll show up on the screens. You can do that. It's all good. Genesis 31, beginning in verse 1. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob is taking everything our father owned and has gained all, his, all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before, but the God of my father, uh, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what he paid, what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and wives on camels, and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he accumulated in Paddan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, and crossing the river, he looked. he headed for the hill country of Gilead. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream at night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him. 
And Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and the singing of, uh, to the music of tambourines and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You've done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your father said to me, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return to your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, he shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban, that's little G gods, right? So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maidservants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched for everything in the tent, but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime, he asked Laban. What sin I have committed that you hunt me down? Now that you have searched for all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between the two of us. I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years, for the 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands and last night he rebuked you. Laban answered Jacob, the women are my daughters, the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine or about the children they have born? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. So they took stones and piled them in a heap, and they uh, ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha, and Jacob called it um, Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. That is why it is called Galid. It is also called Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. If you mistreat my daughters or if you take any wives beside my daughters, even though no one is with us, remind, remember that God is a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar I set up between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you, and that you will no, not go past this heap and pillar to my side to harm me. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father Isaac. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country, invited his relatives to a meal, and after they had eaten, they spent the night there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them, and then he left and returned home. Blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, so um, 
couple of verses, you know, as we said going in, the first two verses, Jacob's wealth made Laban's son jealous. So all of a sudden they were feeling a little short change. They thought it should all be theirs. And here it's all Jacob's. Um, and uh, tendency there, we've got to be careful of sort of comparing our situations to others because it, it can, that can happen. Jealousy can happen. Uh, rather than re- with uh, you know rejoicing for someone, sometimes we, it gets going in another direction, which isn't good. And um, you know, it's it's really the best thing to do is always be happy for people when things are working out well, and rejoice in that process. But not everybody does that. And then they get bitter, and it's not a good spot to be. So um, we see, you know, um, Laban's sons are getting upset with Jacob, and that's how he notices things are changing. And um, then in the next verses, uh, Laban consistently treated Jacob unfairly, and yet God was with Jacob, and so his prosperity continued to increase. Uh, and because God's not, God's not limited by people not doing the right thing. God is still God, and um, and so every time Laban tried to change a deal, God would just change the way. That the, the, can you imagine how frustrated Laban must have been? That he changes, okay, now you get the spotted, you're going to get all the spotted of the flock. And then everything was spotted, and okay, we got to change that. So, so it was speckled, you're going to go speckled now. Or, you know, and then to, all of a sudden, they, all the spotted ones stopped, he's thinking he's going to have, and they all go speckled, right, streaked. You're going to have the streaked ones, and everything that comes out, comes out streaked. Can you imagine how frustrated he must have been in this process? And, uh, but he was trying to cheat. And it wouldn't work because God was bigger than that. I think that's, that's fascinating how that all works and um, how he does it. Um, and then uh, 14 and 15, you know, it's time to go. You know, and so Jacob talks to Rachel and Leah. Um, and apparently they were ready to go because their father hadn't been treating them well either. Um, they were technically supposed to receive the benefits of the dowry that Jacob had paid for them. 15 years of hard work, and he, he didn't give them what was rightfully theirs. Uh, and and they, they just knew that they weren't going to, you know, get a share of anything uh, from their father. So they, they thought it was time to take the wealth that God had blessed him with, and they should leave. Now, where it gets a little dicey there is, is uh, Rachel goes and steals Laban's little household gods, um, idols. Uh, and and back then, many people kept these these small wooden or metal idols in their homes. They were called teraphim, and um, they were thought to protect the home and and offer advice in times of needs. Need they uh, they had a legal significance. They were usually passed on uh, to an heir, and uh, the person who received the the little idol had sort of the bigger stake of the claim in the inheritance, and and so. Um, Laban was concerned when his little idols went missing. Uh, and you think, well, why in the world did Rachel have stolen them anyway? Uh, and, you know, based on culture, either she wanted to claim the family's inheritance for herself or something, or she thought maybe that she still believed in those things and that they could tell Laban what was going on after they'd taken off. We're not really sure why. However, um, it would have been a whole nother situation if, because Jacob had said, if you find them, we'll kill whoever has them. Uh, and so, um, I think from that, those kind of rash statements are, Jacob said it because he was, you ever say anything when you were angry that you probably shouldn't say? 
It's a pretty good reason not to say it. Um, there's things against it. Like, don't make decisions in fear and don't say the things that you're thinking about when you're angry. There's some, some really good stuff that you might not have seen in Genesis 31, but that's what I'm looking at. Oh, he shouldn't have done that and shouldn't have said that. But um, she, she, she uh, has become fairly deceptive herself and comes up with a little ruse so that she doesn't get found out uh, in the process. Um, as I said, you know, in the beginning, um, they had a, there was a three-day separation between Jacob and, and uh, Laban's flocks anyway, so it would have taken some time for him to find out, but he does uh, find out, Laban does, and he goes in hot pursuit. He's able to catch him on the seventh day because, again, Jacob's taken all his family and stuff and herds and flocks and camels, and Laban just comes off uh, ch- chasing after him with some relatives. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I love this, that verse 27 where he says, because he's such a schemer, Laban. He's been scheming this whole time. And he says to Jacob, why did you run off secretly and deceive me? <laughs> Do you catch the irony there? You, you know, Jacob, I'm sure Jacob, you've been deceiving me for 20 years. Why did I go? Deception, deception, deception. And... Uh, uh, but, but we see the hand of God's providence there warning um, Laban, don't, don't mess with Jacob. So, and, and that's, you know, from the beginning, remember in, Beth, in Bethel on the journey out, God had promised him that he would watch over and protect him and bless him. And he's just keeping his, keeping his promise the way he does. Uh, and Laban was most angered, it seems, uh, about the fact that somebody had stolen his household gods. Um, not really that his daughters and his grandchildren had left he, just that they'd taken some, somebody had taken his household gods and uh, he was right but, but he, he didn't find out for that and Jacob certainly didn't know about it so uh, so even though you, you'll see him interact some with God he doesn't really trust in the one true God uh, in the process and, eight, and he watches his father-in-law looking through all his stuff it makes Jacob very angry uh, and he sort of, I think he vents finally, after 20 years of suppressing all that mess that he felt, he kind of lets Laban have it a little bit, and rebukes him a little bit, and um, and says, you know, you, if, if it hadn't been for God, you would have already taken advantage of me um, more than you already have, and sent me away empty-handed. I think, you know, he thought that might be what happens. So... Uh, I think, you know, with the warning that uh, he, he obviously believes in God enough that he accepts the warning from God, Laban does not to mess with Jacob, so he doesn't. And uh, then he sort of, I think he just puts on this, he's so deceptive anyway, now he starts to act like the peacemaker, and, and uh, they, you know, they, they make a little pillar as a witness, and, and they, you know, we're not going to cross here, and you don't cross back this way, and we're going to have this little mitzvah going on that, you know, we, which is, it's really not a, uh, it's not like a binding peace treaty. It, it, either side could have violated it. It was just sort of a, uh, you know, some sort of something happening to, to make it sound like a, it was a watchtower um, kind of thing. That's what the word means, uh, mitzvah. But it was, a, it was an agreement, not like a declaration of peace. And uh, so it was a, a truce that could have been broken by either party. And, um, and so Jacob sort of ends the day offering sacrifices to God and in, inviting his relatives for a meal to celebrate God and um, Laban gets up says his farewells the next morning and um, 
that chapter closes. And so that's where we sort of end that. And what we're going to come up with next is we're going to see him going back and encountering Esau and all that that looks like. So that's where we're at. That's what's coming. Um, But that's good enough, I think, for a day. And uh, so be thinking about those things and things you can learn. Again, if you don't take anything else away from this, don't make decisions when you're afraid. And don't always say what you're thinking about when you're angry. There you go. Okay, if you're watching my video, thanks. We'll, uh, we'll hope to see you next time. God bless you guys. If you will pass me up.